0: Welcome back to We Bought a Mic for Good Mike Hunting, Mm -hmm. a series on the films of Mr. Robin Williams. We Bought a Mic, pop culture podcast, a pop carpe cast, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Dead Poets Society. I've decided that I I should stop criticizing you when you say things like that because I don't have anything ready, you know? Dead Podcast Society. Yeah, Yeah, that was good. Yeah. that was good i that was the runner-up for yeah. sure we just we couldn't Make that's, the, jump. That's, that's the winner in my heart mm-hmm. i mean with with how this movie ends and how robin ends it's mm-hmm. i don't know if it's in the best taste when has I, that ever stopped us <laughs> from doing anything exactly what are what what standard are we upholding what are we here? trying
1: to do like go to tribeca again People
0: don't know he's dead, we can't say that <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's the twist ending of this series <laughs> <It's> <laughs> like, we're all then, good, We all learn in the last episode that he died anymore. We're like, why? He hasn't done anything in a while Wait a minute, I'm hey, on Wikipedia like, This happens <laughs>
1: happened since 2016 I'm
0: These pranksters that. on Wikipedia are saying he's dead <laughs> Welcome to the show, my name's Ernest
1: Carpe diem Seize the dead <laughs> Spooky. that's a, a hunter mobley that's hunter mobley <laughs> <laughs> the
0: ghost of- yeah i'm oh, drew it's a her Mobley original poet <laughs> there's walt whitman whitman Hayv- no david david henry david thoreau and mobley and mobley <laughs> <laughs> dead post Some people are
1: saying mobley is the shakespeare of um he's the hundred gex of
0: shakespeare mm-hmm. some are definitely saying this um guys so this movie this is a big one for robin huge deal yeah it's a great movie and he's great in it 1989 and and he's fully you know it's not good morning vietnam where you know they're depending a lot on his comedic chops he's he's playing a dramatic role i'm i'm curious maybe we can start here he gets top billing in this he gets above the title billing in this Cause you, it's but just, is he the main character no movie? he's definitely not so you just can't give it to a bunch of kids that no one gives a fuck about well also you can't put them on the top you know so
1: i was gonna get into this later but we can i mean since you brought it up we can talk about this now um this is his first nominate his first oscar nomination
0: this oh. is so he did he not get one for good morning
1: no, he did not he got a Golden Globe nomination, did okay. not get an Oscar nomination. Not only did he get an Oscar nomination, he got a Best Actor nomination, a not best supporting. Um, which I did the research um which, according to Twitter, which I don't know what uh, how much you can stake in this, he only has a 25% screen time in the movie. Yeah, y- yeah, you can feel it. He's not in it, but he has the presence of... It's the same thing like we talked about whenever we talked about uh, Silence D- of the last year. Yeah, Dr. Lecter. Exactly. When you can feel his presence throughout the entire movie, yeah. despite only being in maybe 30 minutes of and screen time.
0: Also, I don't know if there's precedent for this, but it is a, it's a Hollywood thing where... He is the top uh, screen time for an adult in the movie. Right. Um, I, yeah. I'm sure there are other movies where this is also the case where like they're just considered the lead actor, even if it's mostly children, because you're just not going to put uh, no offense to um, what's his name? Yeah. Robert Sean Leonard. He's not the top line. He performs like the top line. He's incredible. He's, he's hella fucking good in this movie. I said that, I talked a lot about this movie, I think a couple years ago on the pod. Um, cause I saw it for the first time and, uh, love it. First of all, Peter Weir directed, um, incredible director, big fan of his Truman show. One of my favorite movies yeah. uh, ever. Um, he directs the shit out of it and there is just all around really, really great young acting in this. Uh, and it's really cemented by Robert Sean Leonard, who went on to most notably be in the show house. He, I, th- I believe I did research back then and I think he is more of a theater guy
1: yes yeah so 100%. in
0: this movie so it's for sure is, well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's tragic tragically he was,
1: so weirdly he went from being a theater boy to being a doctor actually strangely enough oh, so it's wow. almost like neil's dad had the last laugh red <laughs> red red foreman got the last laugh that's a great point
0: yeah um that's dark <laughs> I don't know. he um but he yeah you like the the main takeaway i had watching this back then i i kept on saying like you watch this movie and you're like that kid is gonna be like yeah. the next big yeah. star that you're guy star he's kid. matt damon he's young yeah. ben affleck like he's you watch well, him you're like oh get him Ethan another Hawk, really? who cares so he's, i mean he's fucking he's a little dinky boy in this movie
1: talking about robert sean laird do you know who was originally supposed to be in this role was uh, the other eight, biggest nine. the biggest child actor at this time don't don't tell us
0: child actor 89 well
1: like coming teen late teen actor going about to like really reach adulthood um oh michael j fox no um hmm it's not cruz is it no it's not cruz but cruz is kind of in the same class as him it's someone who also unfortunately was taken away too soon it was river phoenix river phoenix was actually supposed to be in this role did he
0: die and that's why he didn't get it or did he just back out no, he he backed
1: out. He oh, read no, the that,
0: script and he was like, I got to go method. Jesus <laughs> fucking
1: Christ. Um, pivoting away from that. We're trying uh, to get canceled have, this week. Though. I have <laughs> a lot of uh, Oscar thoughts about this because this is a fascinating... Just 1989 is a fascinating year for movies in general. Um But I will say, um, I think that this movie is like borderline perfect. Yeah, I think this movie is like, there's so many ways. We're going to hit a few of them as we go on through this series. But there's plenty of ways that this movie can go wrong. It can just become full on Oscar bait. It can just be really pretentious. It can have the pull at your heartstrings moments but like it just there's nothing about it that's extraordinary in any kind of way and this movie is that this movie is absolutely extraordinary it
0: is it's a lot it's, of it's performance based these kids are, are knocking incredible. out of the park. it is performance
1: based but They're I mean so good you mentioned Peter Weir I, Peter yeah. Weir is a perennially underrated director like yeah, he's made he just, just he gets the fucking best performances yeah, out of people eventually just, that's just, not just the performance no he's, the, he's the man
0: he just doesn't have like the the length of uh of like his oof, you know, to, to compete with like the, the true, you know, the people with more staying power. But
1: I mean, he really does. Like, if you look through, like I love so many of his movies it, like we talked seen about Dead a Blood, lot of them uh master and commanders yo <laughs> oh, i yeah. watched that recently i felt sad movie um G- good ship movie witness Big which ships. is i think the best harrison ford performance mm-hmm. harrison ford is a fucking hunk and a half in that mm. movie Amish um of course we mentioned truman show mm-hmm. uh it, like there
0: is a handful of really really incredible it's just films. it's not a lot because he 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 had a lot in the seventies. Um, if I mean, forgive me for you know, if anyone listening knows more than I do about the films he did in the seventies, but none of them broke through necessarily. I would say, right? Like no. Gallipoli broke through, right? In eighty one. Yeah, Gallipoli. Um, yeah. But before that, if we're talking Hanging Rock. Um, before that, we're talking. He did like a TV movie right before that. Um, so then, yeah, he he's just he's pretty on fire uh, through eighties and nineties. Uh, he doesn't do a ton, but when he works, it's usually good. Um, and then 2000s, yeah, he, he's done. I, he hasn't made a movie
1: since 2010, since The Way Back. Not the Ben Affleck The Way Back. Mm. A different movie called The
0: Way Back. In and by the way, um, hella respect for just like stopping. Like yeah. m- way, way. It's like politicians, like most of them, because these are like... Like crazy high functioning psychos, you know these people. Like they can't not work. Like they are they are wired to just work. Yeah, they can't just stop when they should, and that's why we have like Diane Feinstein like rotting in the fucking <laughs> Senate. Like it's the same thing. Like like Spielberg could just be done if he wanted to. You know what I mean? But they just don't do that. And uh, so props props to Peter. I hope we don't, you're well. We don't want a Master and Commander sequel. I we're mean, we're not clamoring for the Master and Commander expanded universe
1: i kind of wonder like if he just yeah i mean he obviously just stepped away because even between the way back and master and commander was at eight years yeah so he just kind of decided like oh no i'm good I'm
0: and i guess uh yeah i guess that's it i guess 2010 and he's done i uh, i recommend uh master and commander i want to revisit it myself because i i was too sleepy when i watched it <laughs> and uh i just i remember when i was a kid looking at that movie not actually watching it but just like knowing about it and being like i like ships i like big ships hey, you know it's like big ships is peter weir yeah so oh captain my captain yeah and then i watched it and it's like it's a lot of like just hanging out on the ship i think there's like one battle <laughs> sequence and then the rest is just like they're like singing and playing violin and stuff so just it, those are just the weird vibes for is it.
1: there a scene where paul bettany gets on the like head of the ship and like looks out at uh russell crowe and says oh captain my captain i wish
0: oh that would be perfect um script written by tom shulman who's another guy who's uh you know just low-key pumping out the hits he, he wrote what about bob he wrote honey i shrunk the kids mm-hmm. classic did you did you classic. see he won an oscar for the script for dead poets yep deservedly so. yeah show.
1: it's based on like partially based on his life uh about a couple of teachers that he had who like inspired him a couple of like english teachers it's it right all it's it's the perfect it's the best possible version the, of that the, yeah this the, goes wrong in so many exactly so many that, different ways i
0: you're so unbelievably right about that um because there is an amount of melodrama in this and you, that's, that's where shit can go south fast. And also the general premise of this, j- like if you were to tell me about it and give me odds on whether or not it's good, I'd say it's probably pretty bad. Yeah. Because it's hard as a, as a screenwriter as a director and as an actor to make me buy into a bunch of really horny th- I'm being serious a bunch of like you know horny like teenage boarding school kids getting super into poetry because yeah. they have a cool teacher also I don't think that that's a good idea for period, a movie
1: the period piece element of this is crucial like even if this is set in 1989 it doesn't work as well but it's at 1959 where it's like yeah. well, what else are you doing well it's even, not even like you have television no that's a great watch. point like, but like even then like, you're it's like just trying, like, trying to create a radio are you guys just like jacking
0: off or something (laughs) no i mean they were that's not what they that's what they didn't show that's that's see that's my take on this movie is that like a lot of what happens in this movie feels extremely like romanticized yeah and like kind of feels like poetry the thing is is like if you were to make a a more realistic movie about white men in the late 50s they wouldn't be like nice boys that were just like oozing poetry like it there would be a lot more hate crimes mm. and, well, and there is notably no people of color at the school because right they just 1959 sidestepped, they just sidestep the issue entirely but come on these guys you know <laughs> they, they're burning crosses like come on <laughs> So um, so what this they movie- are they are a lot more rambunctious in their yeah if they're just like talking to each other things are things are getting really brutal. What this movie does is it it avoids that conversation entirely and I think it's better for it. Mm-hmm. Even though it seems it, to me like this is not something that like you know fully encapsulates what realistically this time period must have been like for these people the it's a movie movie Right. And it's trying to get across a certain feel and a certain tone and a certain like overall message that I think it does marvelously. It's so good. And like, of course, you could poke holes in it and be like, well, you know, these are just the struggles of like white men. Why, why do we care? But I don't know, like it works it, 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 for what it's trying to do. It's perfect. Mm -hmm. And the other take I have is like, these guys are stuck in between generations. They're too old for the war, Mm -hmm. World War II, and even pre-World War II, everything that came before the Great Depression and all of that kind of cultural explosion. And they're too young or uh, I get, no, I I flipped it around. They're too young for for pre-war, too old For the cultural explosion of the 1960s, which was right around the corner. Mm -hmm. So these guys are already basically in late high school, early college. They'll already be, you know, kind of aging by the time the the mid to late 60s start running uh, through. Mm -hmm. And so they're caught in the middle here. They're not in in the early 20th century and they're not in the mid 20th century either. So this uh, pull Towards a more artistic, creatively minded, more kind of um, holistic, maybe hedonistic way of life is not something that was like common. Yep. or 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 that they saw their peers doing so they felt like they were alone in this
1: there's also and you brought it up I'm glad that you said something about it about that how they are just on the cusp like they were born let's see they're 16 so they're born they are conscious from america winning the world war ii on they fully grew up in a society in which america is on top that. of the world no, no no but i mean they grew up they were like three four five when they're like gaining sentience about like oh yeah no america we won war we're really good where their parents have lived through the war they experienced the trauma and you know it's something that like the movie didn't have to take the time to establish but like the generation the people who are the teachers there um neil's father are very realistic they have that one conversation where he says like i'm not a cynic i'm a realist and it makes sense that whole generation had to be realist because you had to, you were getting drafted in the war, like you were, like I have what I can carry on my back. These yeah. are what I have. I don't have time to be impressionistic or romantic because this is the world that I live in. And these kids didn't. This is the first generation in twenty years that actually was able to feel that way. Because even before that, you had the the uh, Great Depression. I I was mean, gonna, well, I was going
0: to say these parents also grew up in the depression. Um, yeah. So they, yeah, they can only think in terms of pragmatism right like they can only are you going to eat oh uh, yeah like is yeah are, is you becoming an actor going to mean you can have a family and live yeah. um and back then like maybe not <laughs> um but most likely not yeah um <laughs> even today it's like, yeah. Not like <laughs> yeah now we're on so. the other side of the curve <laughs> but yeah it's just it's a generation with ptsd that is uh, trying their best to impart that on the next generation so as to you know so as to quote unquote save them right uh, from themselves uh, enter one eccentric little teacher
1: voiced mm-hmm. <laughs> by
0: Robin Williams so one of
1: <laughs> I this isn't the winner but one of the best scenes in the movie especially because I've now seen this movie like a handful of times this is the first time I've seen it though in a number of years and there was something about it that really clicked for me this time, even more so than on previous viewings while watching it. And maybe it's just because I'm like at a different stage of my life or something like that. But one of the most affecting scenes is very early on in the movie where it's the first scene where he's really teaching They're reading about like, what is poetry, how to tell here's the linear line that you can graph out. Is this good yes. poetry or not? Tells him to like rip out the introduction ten minutes of the movie, tells him to rip out the introduction and not just like doing that, you experience like, oh, this is so fun. And then he tells them, everybody, get up on top of your, on your desk. Stand on top of your desk. Uh, on top of his desk. Yeah, stand on top of, yeah, stand on top of the desk just to look at it. Because it's all about perspective. It's about changing the perspective that you have on the earth nobody everybody wants you to look at the world through the way that they see it right. you need to view things differently sometimes so that you can make your own opinions and like see life in a different way ripping
0: I, ripping pages out of a textbook in the year 1959 is probably the most like it's like an anarch- anarch- death penalty yeah <laughs> it's it's literal anarchy <laughs> yeah unless those pages and like have evolution in them yeah, then you can write this <laughs> um but yeah no he there's a lot of like genuine uh things that would truly enlighten a teenager like right. the things that he imparts on them and, and we've we've all had teachers like this we i can all point to at least one mm-hmm. teacher that approximates this mm-hmm. i wish i'd had more to, that were like this yeah. right honestly honest. um because i didn't i didn't have many in high school but uh i wish that i had seen this movie as a teenager i think this is a great movie to watch as a teenager um for anyone it because it it introduces you to a lot of elements of film that you may have not experienced a lot of like entertaining period pieces <laughs> for one like you, probably most of the ones you've seen have been in school and they've been really stuffy uh good acting all around uh good directing but then also tragedy Oof. Mm-hmm. spoiler alert but like it's it it's a really good introduction into a hard turn that will make you cry so I really want to talk about this. So if you haven't seen this movie, it's streaming free on YouTube right now. Go see it and come back. Um, But that turn, I've seen this movie before. Yeah. I've seen it probably multiple times before and it somehow still snuck up on me.
1: Yeah. It's, it's so artfully done. Like just everything about that whole, like starting from Neil telling Keaton, that he got the part and that like he's going to do it my dad gave me approval and just you feel hope robin williams it's something on his face that you can tell like he doesn't believe that he ever actually told his father it's like something it's like a almost it's incredible dramatic act when they're actually
0: at the play
1: yes yeah where you can just kind of see it in him where he's proud but also like he's a little bit worried because he knows like Mm -hmm. i'm I don't, I don't know. Now I have the responsibility that I'm like a father figure to this child. Of course. They're openly disrespecting their actual parental figures to do what I'm inspiring them to do. And then that leading all the way through.
0: To the end, essentially. Yeah. Because the very final scene is just like, I'm just sobbing like hardcore Mm -hmm. when they're all standing up in their desks. Like I'm just, that's just like, it'll get me every time. It'll yeah. fucking wreck me, but I going back to to the theater scene, I just have to shout out the incredible fit on Robin Williams, like if we had a <laughs> category so of like costume design on this man, the turtleneck with the coat, like I need that mm, it's I, a good it's a good fit w- and with the snow coming down when he's outside outside the theater, bruh. You know, also, I did want to actually say leading into that, um, the
1: score by Maurice Jarre, not a score that you would like notably be like, oh, I just want to like throw this on for like this one, like hit or something like that. But um, notably, he did a lot of epics like he did the score for Lawrence of Arabia. And so this kind of has like a little bit of an epic feel to it Mm. while you're watching it.
0: Yeah, it sweeps you that up. That I mean that's what I'm talking about. It's a movie movie. It like, really is. Yeah, it's just it's it's cinematic. It it is. It without is. Without being grand in scale. It's very small scale. Yeah, it's, it's actually it's, extremely small scale for a hit movie. Uh um, this is the type of movie that it's you know, it's annoying to say. This is the type of movie that you probably wouldn't see today.
1: Not like this. I mean, do you guys know how much money this movie made? So I was I was just about to look this up. It's. So. it's do you want me to? I have a it scene for, it, it. For, it for for um, small it made it two hundred and thirty five million dollars, fifth highest grossing movie of the year Ooh, of nineteen eighty
0: nine. Can you imagine this type of movie being no. made? Today and then being the fifth highest grossing movie well, of the first year? First of all, it wouldn't even get made. And second of all, if it did get made, it would just be a mini series on HBO, the, uh, or or it would be very sm- like it would be you know a, an indie and, yeah. and in that case the best case scenario is like parasite I mean, where mean we like gets like is- it gets all the recognition and then it gets to go in theaters again and get box office yeah
1: but this is i mean it's it it's that mid-sized drama it was made for mm-hmm. 16 million dollars you make this movie for four million dollars this year but yeah you can kind of, you can feel that there is some money into this movie, but not in like a show, a showy kind yeah. of way. I, I, I mean, a, a sizable check's going to Robin, of course. Um, and he, But not as sizable as you. I mean, he's not an A-lister at this point. He had Good Morning Vietnam right yeah. before this. And that's when people were like, oh, he's like, he's in movies now. Yeah. He's and, a
0: guy. And Good Morning Vietnam established a template that we're seeing a three movie run right now for the pod that it, each movie is is sort of building upon the last one and getting more uh, drama out of Robin. Robin fever was sweeping the nation. The the template is basically uh, Robin is I I almost wrote it down because it's so clear like what you know where everyone's like okay well i have a script where there's a character like that so it's for robin now you know what i mean yeah he is he's a lion-hearted non-conformist and he he's fighting with like straight laced like authority figures yeah because he's just trying to do good but like he's doing it in a way that they don't like right that is happening in all three of the movies that we're not, in the midst of he's not going full wacko mode here no like this this is what i'm saying each each is also more toned down than the last awakenings i might argue is too toned down yes Yes. way too we'll talk about about that that. this this is a sweet spot where we're getting a dramatic performance out of robin even though he's like you said he's not in a ton of the movie he even sneaks in like his little impressions and things like that there's little moments
1: so um i want to talk about it this is kind of a good jumping off point now talking about how he still is doing a little bit of improvising on set we haven't talked about ethan Hawke yet who is like now i mean aside from robin williams easily the biggest star yeah. out of this movie looking like a snack
0: yeah looking like a little little bite size little yeah he's absolutely not looking like anything <laughs> he, he looks like he will never be in another movie like he's objectively an unattractive so, child
1: yeah but okay but here's the thing like you can see it that he has the talent in these scenes and There are a couple of moments where uh, I've listened to interviews and read interviews that he's done about hawk. yeah about hawk that hawk is given where he talks about like while he was making this movie he actually thought that him that robin williams like hated him because this was like one of his first roles and he considered himself like i am an actor i mm-hmm. am serious and his good friend Ro- rivers phoenix who's in that same age range as him kind of grew up they were buddies with each other He saw him as like, this is where I want to be. I want to be on River's level. So I have to be so serious and take this. I have to actually read Shakespeare for this part and like play it so intensely. And Robin made it a bit on set that he was like, I'm going to try and make Ethan Hawke laugh during a scene. (laughs) and like oh because he was had, taking it so serious yeah, yeah and he would like, like he would fuck with beef him. like a little bit of beef on set and that all kind of climax into what i think is the best scene of the movie a scene that while watching it i rewound twice so i could watch it three reading? different times the poetry reading dude
0: it's incredible Like, that is the scene. From the
1: moment you enter crying to the moment you leave dying. Just,
0: okay, we'll, we'll save it for, for the categories, but that is, that's the moment. It's,
1: I know everybody talks about the ending, but that scene is just like, that's a moment where like, I can't imagine if I was in a theater in 1989 and I saw that kid, I'd be like. Oh, my God. Who is this guy? Like, I know Robert Sean Laird, like, he, of course, has a big showy role. You think that guy's going to be an A-lister. But you see that scene with Ethan Hawke and you're like, oh, no, this guy's like, he's got it. He's got the chops. It's Robin, too, though. No, yeah. Robin, the way that he's going back and forth and, like, egging him on and trying to get him going and everything. Like, it's so good. The Peter, Peter Weir's direction in that Mm -hmm. scene, how perfectly like choreographed started circling around both of them. Everything about that scene is just like picture perfect. You couldn't change a thing.
0: I love it. I love it. Uh, what, what else do we want to dig into, to Robin himself before we kind of look at the rest of the movie? It's just, it's just the warmth. Um, he's, he's so unbelievably warm and he's, it's a signature thing where he has that, but then he also has quite a tinge of sadness. Um, you know, he's he's more explosive with all of it in um Good Morning Vietnam. But in this, he what is he uh, he had he, what's what's his problem with his lover? Like they like left or she was lives at. in Europe. Yeah, she lives in Europe. We uh, never see her. She goes to another school. <laughs> you wouldn't know her. Is she real? <laughs> oh, no, yeah. she she's real. Um, I don't know. It's just like he's just like a little somber, you know? It's just like you you get the sense that he doesn't do much except for this um right and yet again that's heightened too much in awakenings where you get to see him be an absolute lamo all the time that's um, that's that's the thing is that like you don't get too much of his character no so i kept thinking like kids. yeah i kept thinking like i wish we would get more from robin from uh professor harry keating. harry keating mm-hmm. um is it john harry? john john keating, keating? okay he is hairy. Yeah, he is. He's a hairy man. Um, I wish that we had gotten more, but I also am glad that we didn't because, first of all, it would take time away from the kids. But also, like, the the more we would get, the more it would take away from, like, how they see him. Mm-hmm. You know, they see him as this outsider that almost has this kind of elusive, mysterious yeah, quality. We, we know not much more than they know about him. And that's that matters a lot and that's i think that's something that a, a lot of writers would probably make a mistake on or maybe you know maybe things were cut out in the edit um, well
1: i was gonna ask i i'm assuming that you didn't did you guys watch any of the deleted scenes for this no. movie okay so i have the blu-ray uh which has nice. some of the deleted scenes so we get my, some backstory yeah um well okay so it really started like i i must have been in high school definitely like became definitely a real big not physical, physical media okay. fan um <laughs> that's uh, what you want my backstory Jesus Um, no but there is a number of delayed scenes that are like really good scenes mm. but like you know at the end of the day I was kind of watching it, I was just like well I kind of like the amount of Robin that we get because it is like a real less is more thing where yeah. like you kind of feel just his absence in. in some of the scenes on it's, there
0: it's a the it's, movie is about him being a catalyst for these boys yes yeah. it's not about him yeah well. <laughs> like, It's very crucial uh, distinction there.
1: It's it it really is like the perfect amount. One thing I wanted to mention, um, actually, this I just wanted to mention it now here because talking again, it's a Peter Weir choice, but. Uh we decided to shoot. he shot this movie in chronological order. And while filming this I love, it. I love this, it when that happened while filming this, he had all of the boys stay together, like dorm together in those dorm rooms. Like they actually did stay That's like in a awesome. boardroom together so, so the they chemistry could improves. have real chemistry. And it, when and it, Neil dies that day whenever they shot He's that, from he left it from set. He never came back to set. The boys never got to say goodbye to Neil. Mm, wow! For, so that they actually like felt the absence of him, like their friend who they had been with for yeah. a few weeks. And, and he, like, he told the boys, the boys
0: that Neil, that actor had died. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's a real genuine moment um, from Ethan. Yeah. That's why he doesn't like this yeah. movie. I he and was Red, traumatized. Red is
0: in prison for <laughs> manslaughter. I, I think it is like low-key pretty like a pretty crucial thing when you have a lot of young actors and something to shoot things pretty chronologically right especially if it's if we're getting like hangs yeah it, that actually is important I, at the very least saving the emotional stuff for later in the yeah shoot yeah schedule stuff like that yeah you can you can obviously break here and there because you have to, to to have any sort of efficient schedule but that that's the type of thing that i feel like would be lost uh you know i because we're just not in an analog uh, slow paced
1: yeah I, well <laughs> production it's, it's age more right of now. an efficient thing where it's just like well we yeah. have this room let's shoot literally every possible you, scene that we're going to
0: do in this room and while we have this this I, light set up and i'm like as much a proponent for like the digital age of film as anyone generally but like could you imagine hearing that like a netflix film shot chronologically <laughs> yeah. i just like i don't Dude, it, did it's you hear they shot all of you season three chronologically <laughs> it's just meaningless Well, while we're talking about this, can we talk about the cinematography a little bit? Because Mm -hmm. I think that... You know, you're in this one location for the most part. There is that one scene where, or I guess, a couple scenes where you go outside. You there's that one boy who's like meeting the girl, and he goes to his house. There's the cave. Mm-hmm. So there are moments where you are kind of venturing out, but you're mostly in this one school yeah. that has different areas. Obviously, there's the outside and yeah, then within, they go to the soccer field. Well,
1: but you know who the cinematographer? So is. that's that's it's what your, I was about it's to your say. boy.
0: This is John Sale who. Shot fucking Mad Max yeah, Fury Road yeah, it, with George Miller. Uh yeah. amongst you know, a bunch of other stuff like the first Harry Potter, City of Angels. <laughs> hey, he did Wow. That.
1: Um, talented Mr. Ripley, though, Witness, English patient, like a lot of movies where yeah. you're like, damn, this movie is stunning.
0: Rain Prince, Man, Prince of Persia, Witness, which you mentioned. Yeah. So, you know, this guy, he's kind of weaving in and out of like masterpieces. But I think that his work here is so measured because it's so, you know, kind of locked into this one place. And I think that you never get sick of it. And I think that he always finds, even if it's like um, an establishing shot where you just see like the nice, like beautiful old building of this school or uh, there's like even a couple shots where like it's kind of dawn. And kind of like the sun is coming up and you see the lake and it's like foggy and it's just enough texture yeah. to kind of give it that movie feel, you know, that you're not just like trapped in this school with these boys. You're well, getting a more kind dude, of it's warped the, around feel. It's the exact same thing, albeit a, a very different movie, with Rain Man. Rain Man, so much of it is in a car. Yeah, There's fucking driving. The... uh The... Th- I was so unsurprised when you said Rayman because they have I think that their coloring is very similar. Um it's it's a little saturated and a little dark. The reds are really rich in both of those movies. When you see a red it's like whoa, it's like popping off the screen. Um because it it adds texture. Like it feels it feels like you're seeing more than you are. Like it's almost tricking you. It's like talented Mr. Ripley too. It's yeah, a very like orange, like golden movie. Yeah,
1: this like I mean, and then of course Mad Max has all of the orange and yeah. yellows the, to
0: it. The biggest difference though between these two movies, like you said, like obviously our setting is changing less in this one, but even more so than that, this movie uh, has a lot of darkness. Like it's a it's a pretty dark movie. Just in ter- like if you were to just take an average of the hex code of the color on screen, uh, whenever almost whenever they venture outside the school, it's dark. Mm-hmm. Like when they're in the cave, obviously it's super dark when yeah. they're outside. It's dark. But there's enough light in there to kind of still give it that vibrance, even oh, though yeah. it's shrouded you're, in the Yeah, you're, you're still getting that, but you, it's just, it just feels so saturated. It feels so, uh, it, it feels heavier. Uh, and you know, the, the turn in this movie happens in darkness. Like there's a reason for that to me. So let's, let's talk about this scene. So our boy wants to be an actor mm-hmm. he wants to be mm-hmm. in shakespeare's midsummer night stream and, and his dad just wants him to be a captain of the basketball team mm-hmm. his dad just wants like, him he's like a freaking
1: musical. he's like son you've got to smoke you have weed to in my get basement. your head
0: in the game yeah you got to stick to the status quo <laughs> this is literally high school music <laughs> so
1: so he man remember defies- he high school musical when gabriella killed herself <laughs>
0: He def- Troy, Dude, really.
1: Ryan, Ryan fucking killed himself.
0: <laughs> he defies <laughs> his father, Red from that '70s show. Yeah, and that's a guy you you do you not I, you want to cross. We gotta say it's
1: it's Kurtwood Smith is the guy's name. I also, you know, we you know that guy has Ho-Kob
0: two last names. You don't <laughs> trust was- that. <laughs> Kurtwood Smith. He is like, son, you will never be an artist. <laughs> Son, <laughs> son, I have killed seven men dead, and you want to be Peter Pan. <laughs> and he goes up there in defiance, and he kills it. And okay, and so I, wanted, I wanted not to just talk kills about, it. I, I wanted to talk about this for a second because I love it when we get acting within acting. Mm-hmm. Like that's one of my favorite. things. Oh yeah, it's 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 uh, fascinating. Like it yeah. often
1: goes wrong. It's either like like they're purposely trying to dumb it down too much yeah. or they like go up there and it's like the greatest performance that yeah. a high schooler's yeah, ever they're, given they're way too this good this is a good line and it's, it's where like, it's like
0: it's like this is a good high schooler yeah meanwhile robert sean leonard the whole movie is giving an incredible performance yeah. and when he gets on that stage you're, you're like yeah i'd be like yeah this is a pretty good yeah. high schooler it's, performance it's, it's, it's like, solid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like he's a good you know he's, he's got some potential a tree i don't know well you know <laughs> you know who uh would go on to have a little more experience with fuck directing layered performances of actors within something <laughs> yeah. is Mr. Peter Weir, brother. Truman yeah. Show has a uh, quite a bit of that. And so uh Red shows up very disapprovingly at the end. And you think you think Dad is gonna be like, it's gonna be like the whiplash moment where he looks.
1: Yes, I he's kept like, thinking about what if this movie did have, what if that was a whiplash? Yeah, he looks and he's like scared. I was <laughs> like, this is <laughs> <son. laughs> his
0: greatest performance I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> well, what was I thinking, dude? When I, I when I saw this a couple years ago, I had no idea what was gonna happen. Yeah, and no, that's a full. I was fully expecting that. Like it, the movie lures you into that. Yeah. Like that's what I'm saying. Even on rewatch, like I still. Was shocked by the the the, the, the especially
1: because it really kind of like the first time you if you watch this movie and you know like oh yeah one of the kids kills themselves you're thinking it's Todd you're like it's definitely Todd it's this kid who, like doesn't really belong he like. His brother is like the—he's got the generational thing where his brother was a legend at the yeah. school and everything else. And you're like, yeah, no, Todd's gonna fucking yeah, kill for, himself. For like, some
0: reason, I did—I wasn't thinking somebody's going to kill themselves. I guess I hadn't seen this in a long time. Mm. I just knew that there was like a turn. It there gets was, sad. Yeah. Yeah. Um. It it gets sad quick, man. Like I I really <sighs> watching his dad's reaction was. I didn't know where we were going to go from Oof. there because I I was I, I mean, that whole scene, every beat of that scene as he's like, because, you know, like, as soon as boy goes down to dad's study, you're like, OK, here we fucking go. And they draw it out. Mm-hmm. They really Dude, putting putting the forward. crown out on the windowsill. And you almost they draw it out so much that you almost feel like this is too obvious it's not going to happen this is this is way too obvious and then they get to it and we get that reaction
1: but and again no like the real key to what you just said is you just get the reaction you don't get the action they don't you don't the editing
0: is great because you don't even hear a gun you don't hear
1: the gunshot you just hear the family go what was that what was that noise and just get up see red's put on his little slippers and he like gets mad immediately at first he like pokes in and sees his son isn't there and like he's already just like ready to yell at his son good performance by the dad in that scene that like he's playing it like he doesn't know his fucking son killed himself he's thinking his son just like snuck out in the night yeah. um and, and then, then the we mom. get the best reaction go ahead Leo. Neil, my son, my son. Oh my boy. He's okay. He's all right. He's all right. He's all right. He's all right.
0: That's two different characters. You can't get that on any other podcast. <laughs> my son. <laughs> that, my <yeah>. boy. <laughs> He's all right. He's all right. They amp it up, brother. They they go they it's go 120. <laughs> so you're watching this for the first time, Drew. You're thinking this movie just like went off a cliff or it lands. Uh, no, it fully lands because it's devastating. Like it's, I'm not thinking like, oh, here we go. Like I'm, I'm like, I love yeah. There is, this, I mean, Robert Sean Leonard is magnetic. I'm watching him like, oh my God, I'm rooting for him so yeah. hard. And Based now on rewatch
1: reactions that I've seen from people online, though, a lot of people do look at it from a more cynical light. Yeah. Like, like this just, isn't, this movie isn't as kind beloved
0: of as I think that it should be. But now, especially by our generation, now on rewatch, you think it it still works, even though you knew exactly how it was going to play out. Yes, absolutely. If I have any issues with the movie, it's not the turn. It's I want to talk about a, something
1: that I have an issue with. The one thing, the one character line that we have. I have an issue with is it.
0: it our our boy who is simping?
1: Uh yeah, no, it's for what? our guy Knox. <laughs> baby, baby Josh Charles. Um, yeah, unfortunately,
0: of all the things that have aged great in this movie, his character is not aged great. He, he went on to be another like theater heavy dude who who he always shows up in really good projects. Um he's been on a lot of like major shows. Uh but yeah, he uh he was on like the new the wet hot reboot. He was like mm. he was like the main guy at the evil camp. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, and it, and it was like a big they were like, Oh my gosh, Josh Charles, you know, dead <laughs> Um that yeah, weird weird plot line there. Um I, I could have I may have taken like some uh some outsider underdog money on him killing himself. Or, uh, or doing something, you know, illegal or, you know, or, or that, that going somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that whole well, You almost think you, you almost think that this is the kind of movie that they're going to end up happily ever after. And everybody's going to be so happy. Cause you know, if you're watching this without knowing where it's going, you're thinking like, okay, this is just like a simple little happy movie. And everybody's happy, and everybody has fun, and it's all good. So you're thinking like, okay, he's gonna get the girl, and there's gonna be the epilogue where it's like twenty years later, and they have kids, and yada 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 yada. So that's kind of where your mind starts going a little bit. It's Mm -hmm. like, okay, yeah, he's gonna get the girl, whatever. So to have it kind of live in that little bit of zigzag of like, oh. Is it going to happen? Is it not? That kind of keeps you engaged a little bit. It, but you know, I'm glad that the movie doesn't hinge on that plot line. That we do spend more time with the other boys. I think that there are other subplots that get equal time, mm-hmm. and that we just kind of get this overall ensemble piece of these boys who just feel like they have to seize the day. Yeah. They're all just seizing. They're all the just seizing
1: the day. I still would say um of all the things, of all the plot lines that uh, while watching this movie, that was the one where I was like ah, all right, let's get back to this other thing. <laughs> like let's like that was the one thing that I was like, ah, this just doesn't really work. I will say, um gotta I talk think about he
0: is good. He his acting is good, even though the you know the plot doesn't fully ring through. We gotta talk about our guy Nwanda. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. Charlie Dalton
1: who uh, played by oh, yeah. Gail Henson? Yeah, I love. Um, I love just Doll. I googled <laughs> the guy. This looks like uh, actually the origin story for uh, Joker. Um, it's uh, <laughs> one shot of him I'm in the game putting the lipstick. Nwanda.
0: He's another uh, kid though that you watch and you're like, he really had some magnetism to him as like a shithead, and he went on to do nothing. Yep.
1: Like this is it. Like uh, it really is just kind of his it's a, it's peak a crapshoot, right there, man. But you it's know? yeah, I mean, you just don't know. I mean, I, again, like. There isn't a single bad child performance. So even um ah uh, god, what's his name? Oh, uh Dylan Cussman, who plays uh Cam Cameron. Mm-hmm. Um just I hate that dude. I like forever hate that fucking kid. He's a little fucking snitch boy and we hate that kid.
0: Yeah. Um yeah, no. I I think it's it's important to include characters like that because like I said, the, the the greatest trick this movie pulls off is convincing you that this is something that would really happen in such a romantic way. There need to be dissenters. There, need to, there needs to be a little rat. There needs to be just a total fucking shithead who's like, what are you guys doing right now? Dude, the- like, are you guys reading a poem? There's the-
1: that that one, like, jock dude who's just like, no,
0: yeah. I'm just not going to do it. The cat sat on a mat. Yeah, because, like, yeah. if I'm, like, what, if I'm watching that, like, looking to empathize, I'm thinking, okay, in my high school class, there are dudes who are saying exactly yeah, that. Yeah, there's just, there like are, some dick. Yeah, there, there have to be dudes who are not into it. Otherwise, there's no friction. To like, like, oh, any teacher could just get a whole room of guys into poetry. No, it needs to be a special teacher who can sway them from what they're supposed to be like, which is like yeah. these assholes. Well, you get you kind of get the full spectrum, right? You get the guys who are like way too into it in the wrong way and start like just taking it you know, down this rabbit hole that doesn't make sense to what the society is supposed to accomplish. You get the guys like Ethan Hawke who are like really shy, but they're secretly like the genius of the group and they just don't want to express themselves. And then you get those guys who are just like, they're not even in the society, but they're just a part of the class to kind of give that perspective of just like, we don't care.
1: Yeah. What? So, did Keating either A, have no other classes, or what are his other classes like? Is he, he doing probably, this for
0: everybody? He probably teaches other grades, because there's got to be other ages of... Bo- there, this is not the yeah, only thing. Yeah, no, it's age. a boarding school. It's, so, yeah. so his other classes probably aren't poetry. Just for this class, for this age, the English class is a poetry class.
1: He's just teaching like, uh, like... Basic English. He's, he other teaches classes. like AP
0: Human Geography. No, <laughs> yeah. no, he's probably he's probably Sooner, just like now we're gonna talk Euro. <laughs> no, no, no. He's probably teaching like grammar. Yeah, to no. like younger people for sure. And guess what? <laughs> I bet he's really good at it. I'm you know, sure. I bet he's hella good. Um, it would be I funny though know, if he had if he had five other classes of like this Age of Dudes and they're just like not just, in, they're not feeling it.
1: Yeah, no, he's just like very like normal teacher and it like very sterny. He's just like this is my one that I get to play. Yeah, he's like with. these other cl- the vibes off in these other ones. They don't deserve it. <laughs> well, the other kids are like yo, what the fuck? Like Keating
0: sucks. Yeah, dude. Keating only <laughs> likes these these other guys.
1: <laughs> That's actually why he gets fired. Is like the
0: most extreme favoritism. Um. So the ending of this movie is. I think one of the best endings ever,
1: oh yeah, no, it's a it's it's, it's a perfect it, it's, I mean, you mentioned whiplash earlier. It has a whiplash esque ending yeah. for this this size, you get yes. the you
0: get the bagpipes in there. it's it's all blaring like the the triumphant moment that's also like it's a triumph but it's also it's, it's a also loss. it's also not he's he is still fired mm-hmm. he's right. still leaving it's just a show of a showing of solidarity that he made a an, a, an eternal impact on these boys he did good yeah, yeah. like it, it on upon first viewing especially to like a you know a normal movie viewer you would see it as not enough closure you'd you'd it would end and you'd be like what the fuck like
1: what happens? Like, oh, what's next? Um, yeah, like, that's the genius, though, is that there no, isn't a what's a, next. It's, there is no coda.
0: It's a perfect ending. And I think most people would come to that conclusion eventually. Like it it's incredible because this movie isn't like it, it has the facade that is trying to romanticize so much of this era, blah blah blah. But there, you know, once we take that hard turn, this movie isn't trying to You know, be fluting in that way. It's not trying to trick us like that. And it doesn't go on and on to be like, oh, and this is, this is what happens to the family. And this is how this affected this person and this person. It spends just enough time, which I love, showing how these boys start to flip on Keating. You get that one boy who just immediately... He has that bit about how like Keating's done. You need to save <laughs> yourselves Cameron, now, dude. Fuck that. Which, like, I get it. I man, I get where he's coming from, but also like, get fucked. Dude. Yeah, no.
1: He, I'm glad that he gets his shit rocked a little bit. <laughs> like, he gets the shit knocked out of him. Yeah, great fake punch there. Like, it looks like mm. he actually does and, get knocked. And then
0: the rest of it is just all through Ethan Hawke's perspective of him just feeling like Keating's getting just the, the short end of it, like he's getting fucked by this whole thing and it's mm-hmm. not his fault that this kid killed himself and I think Hawk's performance is just so yeah, fucking Yeah, he, he slays. Like, he, he takes the mantle of, like, lead kid once yeah. once uh, Sean Robert Leonard dies. I don't know. Three, first, How can you keep track of three first names? It's, it's way too much. Leonard, you got it. Sean Robert. Robert Sean. <laughs> nice. Bob Sean. Bobby Sean. Bob Sean Lynn. Bob Sean Lenny. Yeah, but our guy Todd, like, he carries that weight of the loss extremely well, all the way to the finish. Like, because he's the guy who starts the oh, Captain, my captain, yeah, on the desk mm-hmm. exactly. They, yeah, it shows that it got to the incel, it got to <laughs> 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 it, it caused like a lasting change in someone who was a, a prototype of you know the anxious team. Mm-hmm. Um, and he impacted the rest of his peers by doing that. Like and he got the But others. not all the peers. No, and notably. that's another crucial thing. It's not like, everybody. It didn't it's only everyone. like a like a quarter, maybe yeah. a third of the class actually feels, stands on the desk. It feels like it's everybody. And it could be and it makes perfect sense because if you're a teenager And and your classmate killed himself and it and like all you're hearing from your family and and a lot of people is that it had something to do with his fucking teacher. You probably don't like him. So
1: one other thing that speaking of that scene and people getting on the desk, in the original script, Peter Weir wanted Cameron to get on the desk with them. And the actor, Dylan Cussman, said no, like that's not right. Like after just ratting out Keating, like it would feel wrong for me to get on the desk. And Peter Weir agreed and was just like, yeah, no, you're right. No, you have to like look shame, like look ashamed during the scene. And yeah, good choice. Good choice by him. Like, yeah, good. Ju- even though, even, it's, even usually our cat, that doesn't cat work whenever an map. acting uh, child actor is like, hey, hey, director, I have some notes. That's called good scene.
0: directing, man. Listening, yeah. listening to your actor, even when he's a Because they know kid. the character they're they yeah, yeah, they know the character. Also, it's just like, I don't know, you're not putting yourself above anyone because like sometimes it takes a simpler view on the situation rather than like a what's the best for the movie it's like well no what what makes more sense for the character even uh cat sat on a mat. boy gets on his desk Mm -hmm. even he he does i'm looking at the screenshot right now and it looks like we're getting about a 50 percent participation rate okay that's that's of oh captain my captain more than i need if they all did and like it you know and then it and then after that there's like another 10 minutes of the movie um of epilogue where it's like he goes that would suck that's yeah he goes to europe and you uh, meet the lady and like he goes to teach at like a boarding school in england you know what i mean
1: that that makes this movie and then we get he like writes he like and somebody's just like uh what is good acting and they read like the introduction you see like a little smirk and then and then like is a poet He's like, he's like or, trying yeah, no, to be flash like,
0: forward. Yeah. <laughs> he's like trying <laughs> to, to even, be a professor. Ethan Hawk poet.
1: being a professor. Oh yeah. No, that God. sucks. That sucks. That that really no, sucks. It, and
0: that's, I mean, that's, that's the joy of watching this movie is like all of those pitfalls of melodrama or of traditional movie making, because this movie does have such a feel of like a real movie. It doesn't fall into the traps though. Like it ends right where it should. Yeah. Most movies Should end a little bit before they do, if you ask me. (laughs) I want to go back to the point you started with, because like this is the kind of movie that could easily fall apart just based on its very premise. Mm -hmm. And I'm so shocked that there obviously there are nitpicks that you can have. Yeah, there there are moments that don't work for me. It doesn't fall apart at all in the ways that like you think it should obviously fall apart. You know, it's not boring. It's not overly like corny or sentimental mm-hmm. and it's not like you know aged poorly 30 years later. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, no, it's it's a really special movie because of that. Like it it that's why I said like it it would be a good introduction for most teenagers into like adult movies.
1: If I was so
0: Would you be able to play this movie in high school? Yes.
1: Definitely, right? Like, why don't they show this movie in, like, junior year of high school?
0: Because of our fucking headmaster bitch here, who's like, (laughs) you can't teach boys to think for themselves.
1: No, like, honestly, I think that they should show this in, like, every English class. Like, probably, like, junior year, like, a little bit older, because there is like some heavier themes I'm, to it, but
0: I'm sure it's definitely too anti-authoritarian. Exactly for, for some, for a lot of people. Well, for but,
1: a lot, and for a lot of schools, I guess. But I mean, that's why I figured like you do it later on,
0: enough so that kids are like, no, I know, but you can't G- show it to like freshmen still,
1: because then everybody will be standing
0: on desks and shit. <laughs> it's just but, well, it's just like generally like anti-school. Yeah. Like the school is the bad guy in the movie. Right. That's pr- that's probably why more than anything. Yeah, maybe. Right? If I was an
1: English teacher, I would definitely play
0: this shit in my classroom. Yeah, well, like, yeah. But absolutely. then also, like, honestly,
1: if I was any kind of a teacher, because I just think that it's like an important movie to show to kids. Because, yeah. like, like everything we've been talking about,
0: like, fucking learn to think for yourself. The other problem is if my English teacher is showing me this movie, I'm looking at him and being like, "You really think you're like this? You see you're <laughs> Are you fucking kidding. kidding me, man?
1: I, I, you don't know? You don't imagine do Miss Winsett putting this on, just being like, you know, I see myself as a yeah, uh,
0: Robin, <laughs> absolutely fucking not <laughs> Keating. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a real Keating over here." <laughs> Um. Yeah, I guess the only other thing I was going to say is that, like, I think this movie does a really great job at, like, commenting on that opposing viewpoint really well and showing you how, like, both sides can be true, even though your heart sides with Keating and the Boyds. You can tell, like, you can see, like, okay, it's bad that there is defiance and that there's like a struggle against the norm and that it gets to the point where a boy kills himself like the movie does a good job at like presenting that argument Mm. without fully like committing to the other side even though we all know in our hearts that like the, the school's full of shit and we're all with keating
1: yes but also i do love i'm glad that you actually said that because i am glad that we get that scene with um nwanda where he like is like bolsterously like oh i got a call from god like and just like it has like the stupid brain and keating is just like that's like that's stupid you're being stupid like you're being an idiot it's not wholly anti-school to the point of like anarchistic like there is some sense of like like yes okay learn to think for yourself but don't be like rebellious to the point of stupidity
0: yeah don't learn the wrong lessons
1: yeah um I just I keep like chuckling because I keep thinking about how you opened up this conversation by saying that Ethan Hawke looked like a little snack and this is
0: one of the photos yeah he, on IMTV. <laughs> <laughs> he just looks like just this like yeah he's the ugliest a lo- little sad little boy he's not ugly he's, he's got chubby cheeks he looks uncastable <laughs> like he doesn't he doesn't look like a guy in a movie like he's he got doesn't bad haircut he's trying to they're trying to make him they- more- Haircut
1: like, is so bad. It's like it's good how
0: bad it is, but it's a bad. Well, haircut. that I mean, this was this is for his entire career. This has been what Ethan Hawke is fighting against. Is he he looks adjacent to a movie guy but not quite right. and so every like in the you know late 90s early 2000s that was the conversation was like are we really buying this fucking guy because he's kind of ugly i love him honestly
1: he is uh he kind of looks better as an adult than he did as a child oh totally like but he's, yeah he's but he still well. he still has that you know he's like and maybe it's just because you aren't expected to be attractive whenever you're like an
0: older man an older white man all right let's Hollywood. get to the categories. Um, so first category is what's the best Robinism? I think this is pretty easy. This is between Oh, Captain, My Captain or Carpe Diem. So do we have any other nominees for best Robinism?
1: No, um, there's arguments on both sides. I would say that it's Oh, Captain, My Captain, because I think that people who have not seen this movie before know that scene. Yeah. I think that that has like kind of one of the quintessential transcending the movie things like uh, I see dead people
0: kind of moment
1: that people know oh captain my captain who have never actually seen I'll
0: I'll, I'll give you the counter is in spirit carpe diem uh, makes a lot more sense in describing Robin Williams than oh captain my captain No, that's
1: true 100% also it inspired a uh, you know community episode Mm. Mm. did it yeah Remember um, the episode where they do Dead Poets Society? They stand and- on the desk. No, well, uh, uh, who's the actor who plays? It? Just uh, who's like playing the Robin Williams part? Of just going around, just like seize the day, just trying to get uh, Joel to seize the day. I don't remember.
0: Oh. it's like a season one, maybe season two episode. I do of remember Community? this. I do remember this. Okay, so I just looked it up. I think it's intro to film. Yes. Yes, it's the guy. It's that one guy that's in in all of those um oh my god, he's a that guy. Uh fuck. Um hold on. I'm professor trying Professor to- Whitman is the character's name. He's pl- he's played by John Michael Higgins. Oh,
1: John Michael Higgins. Yes. Yeah. The John Michael H- where he plays a professor and he's just he's he's doing uh yeah, she's oh, doing Keating. Most
0: yeah. of uh, America says on on Pluto TV on the game show channel. <laughs> yeah, she's it's out. a better version of Family Feud. Everyone, you should watch it. It's free. Um, best moment in Dead Poet Society. I, we're alluding to this earlier. I think my vote has to go to the poetry reading, mm-hmm. even though the ending is fucking electric. Like it's just an all time ending. If I have to pick. Uh, It's such a hard choice between the ending and the poetry reading, but man, that poetry reading is incredible. The camera is like spinning around Robin and Hawk and he's just like, he has his hands on his eyes and like he's closing his eyes. And then there's this moment when Robin like backs off of him Mm -hmm. and and he he lets him. him go. And the shot that just holds on Robin's face as he looks At Todd as he's delivering the poem, just this stream of consciousness poem of what he's seeing as he's closing his eyes. Like, holy shit. Yeah, it's, it's,
1: I think that that has to be the scene because it also works on another level. Like, that is the scene where. Ethan Hawke, while they were filming, learned to relax on set. And that kind of set Ethan, like Ethan Hawke has talked about, like that was one of the most important scenes they shot in his entire career because that taught him to like just kind of relax and let acting flow through him because that's really, that's what the character John Keating is trying to get Todd to do. And that's what Robin Williams is trying to get Ethan Hawke to do. So the fact that it works on both of those levels, it's also like a perfect poem for this kid where it's not like great he's not fucking going up there and giving a shakespearean sonnet but it's like good enough that it's like a oh shit like yeah. oh no this is why keating was just like todd you are going to do this because i see something inside of you i see a poet inside of you the better than the like a blanket um, that always leaves your feet cold you push it you stretch it it'll never be enough you kick at it beat it, it'll never cover any of us from the moment we enter crying to the moment we leave dying, it'll just cover your face as you wail and cry and scream.
0: That's an Academy Award-winning script. <laughs> it's <laughs> it, It's a good thing that it was harder for a kid to get an assault rifle back then. <laughs> yeah, no,
1: <this> <laughs> yeah, so Todd wasn't actually a nominee to kill himself. He was nominee issued. Do you yeah. think that like if this movie you make it in uh 1999 or no we make it in 2019 um neil kills himself and then todd is like mad
0: so he goes up and shoots school he becomes the he Joker. at least kills yeah, the headmaster he's going to become the yeah um yeah i i mean it's it's perfect i think that um it's it's interesting because like you when you think about that compared to our boy Knox who just like it can't get enough of this girl that he met one time and the poem that he reads to her. Like that's what I was talking about earlier, but like you could kind of of get the full spectrum of the whole shebang where like on one hand you have Todd delivering this incredible like stream of consciousness improvised like masterpiece on the spot. And then you have this guy who's like writing like a nice sweet, love poem to a girl and it doesn't first of all it doesn't work because mm-hmm. you know it's like very um icky poetry isn't about getting puthe.
1: exactly and but it's second, romantic but not in the like base level idea of what
0: romanticism is exactly and and second of all it's just like you're not you're you're not getting it Like he thinks he gets it. And I think that like when you think about the scenes in the cave, like you think, wow, the fact that these guys are going full like cult mode with their hoods on, which, by the way, I'm glad those hoods weren't white Mm because, you know
1: man you really do think they are in vermont they aren't in in, like fucking alabama this this is like not as
0: they're like they got they got pointy hoods on going in the woods to the cave and it's like man they're really like going out of their way to like engage in poetry like that's (laughs) what these guys are doing right now yeah you know to engage in poetry they're not they're not buried in their phones. Uh huh. <laughs> just buried in their phone. X2 to porn. No, they're buried in their Henry David Thoreau, mm-hmm. Walt Whitman, etc. Panty jobs. <laughs> <laughs> and you feel like, man, if they're investing this much in it mm-hmm. to like go out to this cave and like, you know, look at porno <laughs> magazines, mm-hmm. then... They're learning something deeper, man. They're getting to like the deeper truth of humanity and existence. So it's like, yeah, he's not gonna get the girl, but at least he's trying. Mm-hmm. At least he's trying, you know. And on the flip side, you have Mister Todd just like delivering a masterpiece off the top. I, so a couple other things I wanted to
1: talk about uh, just mentioned here as far as nominees at least for this category for Robin Williams. Um, one of them is like very early on. It's whenever they're doing the introduction to poetry. I had to find the quote cause it's so good. He like the, um, reads the whole introduction to poetry or whatever. And he's like excrement. That's so why I think of Mr. J Evans Pritchard, we're not laying pipe. We're talking about poetry. How can you describe poetry like American bandstand? I like Byron. I give him a 42, but I can't dance to it. <laughs> it's just really good. Um, whenever he is doing Shakespeare, but, of Marlon Brando. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Like he sneaks those He's in, He man. just sneaks those in a little it's bit. perfect. And just one other quote that I had to mention here because it's just, it's, it's so good and again, it's just an early line that rings throughout the entire movie is to quote from Whitman, O oh me, O oh life, of the questions of these recurring, of the endless trains of the faithless, of cities filled with the foolish, what good amid these? O oh me, O oh life. answer, that you are here, that life exists, an identity, that the powerful play goes on, and you may contribute a verse, that the powerful play goes on, and you may contribute a verse. What will your verse be? beautiful uh, just I, th- so just so good uh,
0: it makes you want to just start a podcast there are so yeah, many, <laughs>
1: there are so many moments our verses that we're podcasters, our There's, verses that we talk about other people's mm-hmm. art
0: there's so many moments where i'm just like listening to robin williams just go off in this movie and i'm just like nodding i'm like yep yes I, mm-hmm. yes sir yes it's a, sir. Well, that's another thing that's another trick that the script specifically pulls off is it's really hard to talk about art without sounding like a fucking prick we fail at that every single week mm-hmm. um, and then you got robin yeah fucking making it look easy mm-hmm. it's incredible Masterclass. he's so he's so fucking good in this movie guys like it's gonna be hard to top this one. I know that there are some yep. in in the docket that like have a lot of praise towards oh, them but I I'm going to
1: say it right now um I think <sighs> I have complicated feelings on Goodwill Hunting. We'll get into it. With Hunter, that you're episode. gonna rewatch
0: that for the pod. I'm calling it right now, and you're gonna be like, "Oh, I w- I've been wrong. This is an incredible movie."
1: No, it's not that. I don't <laughs> think that it's an incredible movie. It's just that there's 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 some corniness to it. And yeah. We're gonna talk about the making of it and whether or not it was actually written by the uh, authors. Okay, who, um, who cares about
0: that? It's a great movie. And Dead Poets is corny too. No, well it is. No, no, no. I, I again, I, I
1: love Goodwill Hunting. Don't get me wrong. I've always loved Goodwill Hunting. Oh, everybody knows you this hate um, you. <laughs> <laughs> I everybody knows. hate you. Look, I don't have recorded opinion on a podcast so you cannot prove shit. You can't prove shit. I didn't fucking rig <laughs> shit. Um
0: so <laughs> I think that this is Did gonna they be film it in Boston. Um I we're they must talk about Definitely must have shot um, a good chunk in Boston. So
1: this is, I think that this is going to be the best dramatic Robin Williams performance that we see in this entire run. Well, because there, there's, it does there's both. more Robin performances. There's like probably performances that we might like just as much as this. But as far as Robin Williams being like, I'm giving a important performance. This is like at the top of the list. That this is just so perfect. It's such a just
0: he has perfect to be, ideal. He has to be. A quality of teacher that has never existed he right. has to be the most uh inspiring yet not like not in like a radicalizing way, not in like an intentional like, hey, I'm calling you to fucking action right now like it's more just like he he's so persuasive in his vitality in yeah. his in his pure love for poetry and love for these boys. It's almost these like sweet boys it's honestly it's almost like he just really wants these
1: kids <laughs> to have some sort of. Awakening.
0: <laughs> Welcome to the next episode of We Bought a Mic. <laughs>
1: um, oh, one other We're quote s- that I wanted to throw out there for this. Um, I pro- i won't have this many quotes for other ones, but it's a cageism that I've been slacking on. Um, just we mentioned it before, but with Nawanda uh, getting in trouble and uh, being a fucking bonehead, I love just his line. They says here he says, "Sucking the marrow out of life doesn't mean choking on the bone." Oh, that's mm-hmm. just great, great line.
0: Just fucking awesome that's what i'm talking about i'm nodding dude i'm nodding every second i get to hear this man speak mm. good robin or bad robin incredible uh, i think it's it perfect. might be the best robin i think it's perfect it's, because it's the top it's it's edging on that level of like going dramatic mode mm-hmm. you know like laying off the gas pedal on the manic side mm-hmm. and yet it's This precise thing and what we talked about before how he's not in the movie that much. Mm -hmm. I think that's what makes it perfect that he's not taking over the story he's laying he's letting these these boys have plenty of, of field speaking of field the soccer field. That's another great moment. <laughs> take, what's happening? We're just free seem, associating here. What's what's um, we're having free poetry about this? No, movie. you're right. This just is about, about this, this is about as good as as Robin gets. It's not manic, but it's the warmth is off the charts here. Um, which one of us, Drew? Like, yeah. if you
1: were going to assign uh, which character was which on this podcast to us, which one of us is the guy who just brings a saxophone to the cave? I'm the headmaster.
0: I impose the law.
1: Yeah, whenever we're at like two hours and 45 minutes and you're like, we got to wrap it up.
0: Hunter, you're the one who is really horny and just trying to use poetry to get laid in high school. I'm
1: the one who just shows up to the cave
0: with like two ladies. <laughs> no, no. You're Josh Charles. You're
1: <laughs> Ew. Don't you dare. Fu- I'm not going to commit a sex crime in, in high school, by kissing
0: an unconscious woman. In high school, I was Ethan Hawke. I didn't
1: talk. Um, I Ernie, think that I wanted to be a Neil, but I just wasn't. Ernie, Ernest is probably the most Neil
0: of all of us. Yeah. Um, yeah, but you didn't have anything really fighting against you pursuing yeah, the arts. I'm going to kill myself. That's fine. <laughs> um, I, so, recasting sure, Honestly, Wait, wait. Y- how many you're Robins- kind of a bit of a Cameron, Drew. What? How many <laughs> Robins fucking- out of 10 are we feeling? I'm like at a nine. Maybe 10.
1: I will... No, cause we still haven't fully decided what is uh a Robin out of like like a ten is gonna be like him in Aladdin. Like right. that's whenever he's right. doing the most. That's what I'm saving. Like, I'm saving the ten for Aladdin. He's like kind of like more chill in a lot of this, but also he like dials it up just the perfect amount. I'm gonna say an eight.
0: Okay. I think an eight is good. Okay. Um I don't really have a good recast for this. Well, it's recaging. So, where first of all, where I, do we put Nicholas Cage in this movie? Um, he's the headmaster. He would he would ruin this movie. <laughs> he, but here's what I think. No, I think. What if? No, guys, he's Neil's dad. Exactly. You put Neil, That's, that's what I was gonna say. He takes he. T- <laughs> no, Neil. No, Neil. No, my son. My, son. my boy. <laughs> nail he he could be uh the um the dalton kid the little shit bag when he was young oh because he was yeah he was young here so i'm thinking older cage for yeah if we're if we're plucking him out of the 80s he would have to be like a student
1: well, is that kind of his character in fast times Isn't he doesn't, he play, he like, doesn't kind of kind of he's nothing. not a character
0: he doesn't say anything oh yeah I he was just like kind of like he old. would he, he would, has zero look, lines. In fact, they took out all his lines because he was too weird. That's <laughs> true. He would look like shit as a student. Like He's, all of these guys, you can you can pretty much buy them as high school age. Mm. Nick Cage, like Nick Cage and Moonstruck as a high schooler. Are yeah. you fucking kidding me? Now, there is a worse uh, student that you could place in one of the leading kid roles in this. And that is, of course, Crispin Glover. <laughs> <laughs> well... You could get a lot of mileage out of Crispin. You cannot ever. Do
1: you think Crispin would, like, fight Neil? Like, well, I'm actually, I'm going to kill myself first.
0: <laughs> I fucking hate that guy. Um, so He would I, be in the cave, and he would be like, oh my, guys, we don't <sighs> have a blanket to lay on. I... <laughs> I do. <laughs> he would be like, "Hey, uh, you no." Know, he would go to Peter Weir and I, be like, "Hey, I, I actually think that my character would uh, stand up and give like a better speech than than Robin does." Yeah,
1: he actually does that. He's like, "And actually, guys, like, here's what poetry means to me." Yeah. <laughs> um, I one thing real ca- recasting that I just want to mention Robin? here. Yeah, did you guys see in research who was originally supposed to play this role? No. So originally, this movie kind of got passed around a little bit before oh, I actually I see found it a spot. So originally it was going to be uh, directed by the Revenge of the Nerds guy. And uh, it was going to have Mel Gibson
0: star in the leading role. Oh, that's not who I saw.
1: But there's another big one, which is Dustin Hoffman was going to <laughs> star and make his directing debut as John Keating. <laughs> that's insane. That's, that's the thing is like I don't think it's bad like I could definitely see it working but it's like a lot darker of a movie. Like it gets dark like a lot quicker.
0: Well, has Dustin Hoffman ever directed a movie? I I don't hey. think he has. I mean, he really
1: wanted to direct this one but then there was like some creative differences that he had to drop out from the
0: project. Um I feel like he's probably directed something. Oh, he directed a movie called Quartet in 2012. Okay. That was his so debut. There you go. I okay, so looking at the uh the Wikipedia, the first uh one on here for the role of Keating is Liam Neeson.
1: Yes, Liam Neeson. Uh, how Neeson's are we feeling about <laughs> Well, this is okay, so we have to think, I mean, I know people hear Liam Neeson and they think taken and like modern day Liam Neeson, but this is like right around I mean, this is before uh Schindler's
0: list, mystery watchable movie of the nineties. Um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> i think that liam neeson would have been in the boring version of this movie i honestly put liam neeson as the headmaster or as like just one of the other
1: professors like a, a different english professor at the school also, i think he could have fit well in
0: there but also considered were mickey rourke and tom hanks why is mickey rourke uh considered for mm. <laughs> everything hanks obviously it's 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 going to be just like Cage. You can slot him into a lot of movies. Yeah, um, he and, I, I think it would. And been well, been Hanks, great. Had, Hanks is uh, there aren't a lot of actors who I would consider warm, and he's very warm. Hanks has warmth. He has natural glow to him, so I'll give him that. Um, I, I want to get into this more when we talk about awakenings. Um, it's really hard to cast for warmth in the modern age to cast yeah. cast an actor in their 30s or even 40s who has that quality. That like that is almost impossibly hard to do. I really I have no answer. Um I think that's because these movies don't get made anymore. It's, that's why it's you just don't see it. It's that it's like, also and I'm being serious right now. Um actors are too hot now yeah. and you see them and you're like they, they want to like they have sparks they will they know they're too attractive like uh, you look at them and you're like oh this is like this is a warm movie star yeah. but like like ron williams doesn't look like a movie star tom hanks didn't look like a movie right. star like they just look like dudes they look genuine they look real yeah like you you could say that like bradley cooper has had warmth in his performances before but you look at him and you're just like god this fucking asshole yeah He's so, like that's he not he has, a this guy guy's got to main the shade He's, you know what i mean yeah like it's just a natural thing like and you can. There's I like, mean there's, Ruffalo, Ruff I think could do
1: it. I think but again. Ruff, I mean, he's what in his forties, late forties at this point. No, like he's, 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 he's got to be in his fifties. This he's not part of this genre of the thirties. No, I know. Like Timothy Chalamet. There's nothing warm about Timothy Chalamet. Because <laughs> that's the thing. That's what you're talking about. There's either like hot hunky dudes, or there's guys who are like, I am the next Leonardo DiCaprio. I am a serious actor. Then yeah, they don't you either allow the fun of warmth to come into their performance yeah
0: every every actor now is either a uh, a hot hunk, or they're a little lad who loves berries and cream. And Timothy is obviously a little lad who loves berries and cream. Look, he's, next he's week, both. Next really. week, we're talking Dune, and I'm telling you, is that, he a hot hunk? That who loves boy berries is, and cream. He's way too skinny. Berries and cream. <laughs> he, he needs to eat some some pork. Well, or here's some the thing: beans. he's about to
1: spend a lot of time in a chocolate factory. I don't know
0: if you heard about that, so maybe he'll like he'll yeah. put on he'll put on a little bit of a belly from that. Paul, Paul King's dark masterpiece. Wonka Origins. All right. Let's wrap it up, boys. Thank you for listening to We Bought a Mike. We love you. Email us at, at gmail.com and follow us at weboughtamike on social media. Be sure to rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Spotify has a little little bell icon now where you can get notif- notified every time you um we uh, uh upload an episode you can also sign up for uh episodes in your inbox at our website weboughtamike.net uh and uh you can also visit anchor.fm slash to send us voicemails and donate so you thank you give. to every a lot of people give a lot of people give not enough people give uh <laughs> thank you all you boys who donate send us to uh
1: popeye land oh that's right we are now saying opening- us to Popeye land uh, next week though if we do get an influx of viewers I did hear that we will go to Arrakis if we are sent enough <laughs> if we are sent enough money we will actually fly out we will do a live pod from Arrakis we're going
0: to Arrakis boys <laughs> next hey,
1: week that's, Next. Time, that's huge you know what next time the listeners hear from me I'll be different yeah
0: you'll be spice pilled. <laughs> I'll be spice pilled. <laughs> next week is Dune a movie that i have seen Hmm. spoiler alert oh i got i got to see it early guys Mm. i'm not gonna say anything
1: dude people can't see it at home but ernest is punching things because he's so mad because he hated
0: it that much i am fully spice pilled Mm mm-hmm and
1: i'm gonna have wait. to come down negative that's the only way this podcast is gonna be interesting no whatsoever. hunter don't, I don't worry i'll
0: <laughs> i think that i th- i think i might be able to hold that down for you
1: but if i'm like, Dune, this, if I'm like this is like the deer of enhancing for sci-fi movies Dune <laughs> Fever this would have been better as a musical is sweeping the united states of america oh my god i completely forgot one thing i want to know did you guys see that this was originally supposed to be a musical Ew! Yeah, so whenever it was going to be the Revenge of the Nerd Guy directing this, it was going to be a musical. Uh, You can look it up online. Robin Williams never showed up to set like the first day of set. And then it like got scrapped and kind of just like got forgotten about for a few months and they burned the set. And you can look it up on YouTube where they actually light the wait, set what? of Dead Poet Society wait, on fire. Wait, wait. I swear to God, look at it. Just Google it real quick. Like, Dead Poet Society set on fire. <laughs> and you can just find this from it was going to be a musical. And they're like, no, this can never see the light of day so did they film any musical numbers no 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 like they literally spilled the sets and then they just
0: scrapped it damn fuck carpe diem carpe diem carpe diem oh captain my captain carpe diem. thanks for listening Bye. bye